I have a question for you, so watch this video and you'll see the question. <laughs> If it is a good morning, which I doubt. However, did I get your tail back on properly, Eeyore? No matter. Most likely lose it again anyway. Poor dear. You know, I may have just the thing. Up, up, up you go. <laughs> there you are. It's an awful nice tail, Kanka. Much nicer than the rest of me. It's not much of a tail but I'm sort of attached to it. Not much of a house. Just right for not much of a donkey. Might take a day or two, but I'll find a new one. End of the road. Nothing to do. And no hope of things getting better. Sounds like Saturday night at my house. You don't have to raise your hand, but who is an Eeyore? So you might say, Eeyore, why are you so negative? Why are you just like, look at life that way? And yet he'd probably tell you, I'm just realistic. Right? I actually look at life and go, look at life, right? And, and, and you know, you, you think, be more like a tigger. If you don't know my patron saint is Tigger, that's probably right. Um, saint Tigger, I call him. No, uh, and and so he would probably say, "Well, Tigger just bounces around and doesn't think about actual life, right?" Or you know, the simplicity of Pooh, or how naive Piglet can be. And I actually see life for what it is. And the preacher of Ecclesiastes is um, does that a lot to us. Like, look at life. Like, really look at it. It can be hard. It can be difficult to understand. And yet, right, he wants us to not stay Eeyore, right, and bump our heads against that ceiling of why bother? It's all going to ha not happen anyway, or whatever it is that we're saying. And instead, bust through that and have joy. Have joy. Why? Because of God. Not because of you, but because of him, your maker. And and today, we want to look, as we look at, we get in this, this week, in, or last week, next week, in the final section, section four. And, and specifically, I, I want us to see that finding um, joy, but specifically in the puzzling parts of life. Have you ever said, why is life like this? Anybody? Anybody ever said that? You're either raising your hand or you're not paying attention, right? Or you like refuse to raise your hands in church or one of those. Well, we'll get you. Don't worry. Um, and, and, and so, uh, uh, but even more so, the pains of life. When life hurts. When life is like, oh, why is it going to hurt? It, despite that, you can have joy. So let's pray as we go to Ecclesiastes again for the sixth time. Lord Jesus, we, we come before you. We thank you for this, this book. Um, that many ignore or don't know what to do with, that we've been able to just simmer in it um, and to, to really think deeply. And so I pray you'd help us to do that today, that we would, um, we, would just, we would just come overpowered by the power of your spirit, um, that, that we, you, you know our hearts and our lives and our minds. You, oh God, know what we need. So we pray that you would do your work in us through your word. It's in Jesus' name. All God's people said? 
Amen. Amen. Um, it's, uh, uh, we're going to actually springboard from the last verse of last week. So that's chapter 8, verse 15. I'll put it on the screen, um, and we'll be moving kind of fast, but if you do want to follow along, that's where you can find it, Ecclesiastes 8, 15. Um, by the way, I haven't said this in a while, so uh, if you don't own a Bible, we would love for you to take one of the Bibles that's in front of you as a gift. We'll restock it. Or if you know someone who doesn't, um, then, then take that, and it can be a gift to give someone. We love everyone having God's, God's word. Um, so if, if you are turning there, while you do that, I thought it was a good time um, to bring you up to speed on something. I was talking to the elders. I'm trying hard not to be dramatic about this because it's not a problem. There's nothing wrong. First, uh, first two gatherings, people were like, what's wrong, right? Nothing's wrong, right? Um, but uh, if you've been, well, I know a lot of you, probably most of you have not been, but if you have been with us for um, at least eight years, you remember eight years ago, uh, the church, especially our leadership, was gracious enough to see that I was grinding gears and less than empty the tank and uh, allowed me to take a pretty short summer sabbatical, uh, which was so good. We didn't know there was a lot of good things that were going to happen, but a lot of crazy things too in, in the coming years. And, you know, this little pandemic thing, that was no big deal, right, uh, to deal with. So thank God the church did that. Um, and so we've been just talking. I'm not in that same place, thankfully, where uh, my gears are grinding. Um, but we just thought it was a good opportunity and time to, to do that again. Uh, so uh, not till July, so giving you plenty of warning. Some of you want it to be tomorrow. I get it, but most of you probably don't after the first two gatherings, like, you're not allowed to go on sabbatical, right? Um, and so uh, that's not for a while. And we'll give you more information about it. Um, and and uh, But I wanted to be the first one to say it because if you have a church uh, background that's different than, than ours, uh, you may have had a pastor go on sabbatical and the percentages tell us that they left right after that sabbatical because it's a high percentage. And and I, the, the reason for that typically is because um, it, it's like a last resort that, pastor's ready to quit or the leadership's ready to get rid of the pastor. And so let's do a sabbatical as a first step to that. So that's why the percentages are so high. And I wanted you to hear from me. Unless God visits me in a bush that's burning and not being consumed and speaks to me, I'm not going anywhere. Okay. Um, this is simply to recharge. So we're good for the long haul. This, as many of you know, I've made mention a lot of times, is the only church I've really ever known besides my uh, home uh, growing up. This is where I came to Christ. This is where I got, uh, this church is where I got baptized. So it's not just a church that I pastor. Um, it's like one of my babies, it's like my third kid, right? Uh, so I have no desire um, to go and, and I don't want, I want you to be able to breathe. Although again, a few of you might be like, oh, I was really hoping. No, uh, that, and, and so just beware. We'll give you more information on that, but I wanted you earliest on as possible. So again, not till the summer and um, you're stuck with me until then. So I want us to be able to focus. So let me just pray again because that could be going through your head and I don't want you to miss what God has for you. Um, Lord, I do pray that, that, that this, you could just bring a settled focus um, on our lives and minds, including mine, um, that we would allow you to be, just be open to hear from you today, even if it's hard um, or if it's encouraging, whatever it is, we ask humbly by the power of your Holy Spirit in the name of our great Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So thank you for that. Now, uh, we, we, I wanted to, because this was uh, the conclusion of uh, the sections that we kind of divided out, the conclusion of section three. This, this is where we landed. If you were with us last week, this will look familiar. But I wanted to see this is a, a springboard into, into uh, the fourth section. Right? Because this is, this is where section 3 landed. He says, and I commend for you joy. 
joy. That's what he commands. I want you to have joy, not happiness, comfort, joy. It's different. It's greater. It's eternal. He says, for man has nothing better under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful, full of joy. For this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. Right? So if you were with us last week, we had the buckets. We just said, and you can try to make your life all about pleasure, comfort, honor. It's going to be empty. Or you can try to make your life all about wisdom and knowledge and understanding, trying to figure out the world. It's going to lead to a place of emptiness. Instead, you need God. And you need uh, to understand he's got you. He's got this. And he is going to be the source of joy. And that's going to be the springboard into section four where we start talking about what happens when life is so confusing. Confusing. So it's the very next verse. The preacher says this. When I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on earth, how neither day nor night do one's eyes see sleep. Then I saw all the work of God. He's always bringing us back to that, right? I'm confused, but God isn't. But God isn't. He continues, it's a, a, in the middle of the sentence I stopped you. So he says that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it out. All right? So, so again, God's got it. Me? No. And you almost can picture, right? Like, like he's, he's bringing out, I mean, this is a perfect message for us today. Like how many people think that they have the answer for you to be able to manipulate life around you to be successful or get ahead or whatever. Like there's a million podcasts and, and, and self-help gurus and whatever, do this, do that. And, and it helps you maybe to a point, but you get to a certain point where how much does it help you when the doctor says you got six months? How much does it help you when your life leaves you? How much does it help, right? Like, like life is hebel, as we've said. It's brief, it's ever-changing, and it's foggy, and it's out of control. And how do you do It's so confusing, right? Or there's the spiritual uh, gurus. Especially um, today, uh, our culture is very attracted to Eastern spiritual uh, practices. And there's a reason for that. They're like a, a buffet. Anybody like buffets? All right. I'm terrible at buffets. See, buffets are meant to have a bunch of choices and you take what you want and you leave what you don't. The problem with me is everything looks good. (laughs) So I take it all. And when I was a kid, that seemed to work. Now it leaves me in bed for two days, right? So I need to never go to buffets, right? Because that's the idea of a buffet. And, and, and so what the, what the Eastern spirituality will say is just take this if it works for you. Take this if it manipulates life to, to get somewhere and it's all empty. It may feel good in the moment, but it's empty. Man, woman, we think we know. He says we don't know. And that's why life is so confusing. He's trying to get us to wake up. God knows you don't. In verse 1 of chapter 9, he continues. He says, but all this I laid to heart. examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. There it is again. Throughout all of this, hand of God. This is whether it is love or hate, man does not know, both are before him. This is like, I see the preacher spreading out all of life on a desk. And he's like, I'm examining how things happen and how things take place. And And I, I come to it, I'm like, it doesn't make sense. Good and evil happen to both kinds of people. It doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done. Life hits. We can attest to that. 
right? Why did that happen to that person and not that person? I mean, there was time, so I'll just be fully confession, man. I felt terrible about this later, but when my mom died, I would look at some people and be like, why didn't you take him? Why my mom? I'm like, no offense, but he doesn't seem to be doing anything with his life. Then I'm like, boy, that is a terrible way to think. But that's how we sometimes look at life. It doesn't make sense. And it, it continues. Look, verse 2. It's the same for all. Since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and to the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. So whether you're a good person, he's talking about religious people, the clean and unclean in Israel, or you do the sacrifices or not. Like, so I want you to picture this. You get a uh, hundred people over here that you consider, those are the kind of people I'd be around. They're, they're kind of honest people, they're good people, they're religious people, they're moral people, whatever. They're over here. And you get a hundred people over here, <laughs> these are the miscreants that you don't want to ever see again. Which crowd would you be in? All right, don't, don't, don't tell me. Which crowd would be easier to build in your life, right? So you get 100, you get 100, and you're just researching it. You're like, all right, let's just let life happen. You would think, right, if there is a God, if it does make sense, these people, life would go poorly for, right? These people, life would go well. But is that the case? No. In fact, it's 50-50. Life sometimes happens good for him, sometimes for her, sometimes, right? And that's what he's so confused about. What's the rhyme or reason in all of this, right? He says, he continues, he says, as the good one is, so is the sinner. And he who swears is as he who shuns an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun. The same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil. And madness is in their hearts while they live. And after they go to the dead, but he who is joined with all the living has, there's the word, hope. And then I love this proverb, don't you? For a living dog is better than a dead lying. You're like, whoa, that's cool. What does that mean? <laughs> well, think about it. Who'd you rather be on the surface? A lion, right, who's noble and ferocious and independent and strong and fearful or scruffy fluffy? You choose the lion until when? The lion's dead. Now scruffy fluffy's looking better, right? Rather be alive and scruffy fluffy than a dead lion. That's his whole point is that he's not throughout this and throughout this book not telling us there isn't an afterlife. What he's saying is in this toil under the sun, in this life, while you're breathing and living, and it looks like I should put my glasses on, but I think everybody's in that category, right? While you're in that category, there is hope. But once it's over, whatever hope you had in life is what you're going to have in death. And so... You'd rather be scruffy fluffy if you still are going to have hope. In verse 7, he, he continues and he, and he says, Go, eat your bread with joy, drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. We'll get to that in a second. But when he says, go eat your bread, we've seen that a lot in this book, with joy. There it is again. That's the, that's the key. Don't just be an Eeyore. What's the point? No. I'm going to have joy in what? My bread. In my wine. Now, he's not just talking about food and drink, talking about what's yours. So he said, have joy in your food and your home. Have joy raising your babies. Have joy in your marriage. Have joy in your spouse. Have joy on your team that you play on. Have joy in your school. Have joy in your job. I know, I know, don't throw anything at me. But that's what he's saying, is that there is joy. 
and all of these things, and everything is so fast. So he says, for God has approved what you do. He's not saying God has given you a pre-approval, right, to go do whatever you want. He's saying he's approved you to have joy in what he's given you. It pleases God. What I want you to do is, if this is you, is stop thinking of God as some old man who frowns upon your behavior all the time. Really screwed up again. Right? Don't do that. So, like, I want you to picture a parent who gives his children this amazing gift, and they work hard, they spend money, right? Like, like, and they give it to the kid. It's Christmas morning or the birthday or whatever, whenever it is, whatever the occasion is. And who's more excited, the kid or the parent? Right? And if the kid goes, this is it, then you want to kill him. But if instead the, the child is like, oh, this is awesome, this is wonderful, and I'm enjoying this, you're over here as the parent going, because ah, there's something so awesome about watching the child you love receive the gift you've given them and enjoy it. Think of God that way. He's given you these gifts, and when you enjoy them where you're at, that pleases God. He approves of that. That's what he wants you to do. He doesn't want you to keep trying to figure life out like you're God. You're not. Right? You're not. Verse 8, he says this. Let your, I love this. Let your garments be always white. Got some white. Who's white on? Right? No. It's not mean physically white. I'll get to it. He says, let not oil be lacking on your head. This is the garments and the procedure of feast for Israelites. And what they would do is they go to a feast, and the whole idea of a feast is to worship and praise God with each other in joy. And so they'd worship, then they'd eat, and drink, and dance, and enjoy. They'd just have a feast. He says, that's what I want your life to be like. Not one big hedonistic party, but one big celebration of who God is. So he says, continuously, not physically put white on and, and oil on your head, but spiritually speaking, this is who I am. I'm going to take joy in the Lord, even though life can be so puzzling. And joy, there it is, that's to enter joy, right? Life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life, that hebel, that brevity that he has given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. Again, he's not saying that there is no afterlife. He's saying when it comes to your hope, when it comes to what you can do in this life, it's only while you're in this life. Right? It's only here. So what are you going to do with it? Are you going to waste it? Or are you going to have joy? Because it's so fast. It's vain. It's, it's hebel. And, and, and I've said this throughout the series, but the, the younger you are, the harder this is to understand, right? The older you are, the more you understand. Long days, really fast years, right? We got Holy Week coming up, Resurrection Sunday. I'm like, didn't that just happen yesterday? <laughs> Every Christmas Eve, and some of you see me post this, it's a tradition of mine. After everyone leaves, because so many people are that night, I'll put one light on the cross, I sit in the back pew, and I just think about what God has done this past year and what's done in me, what's done in you, and it's awesome. But now as I do it, I'm like, didn't I just do this like yesterday? It's like, whoo, whoo, right? And that's what he's saying. It's so quick. Are you going to spend it being Eeyore, or are you going to take joy in what God has done? But he's, throughout this, he's talking about this puzzling life. But he wants us to have joy. No matter what you're going through when life is a puzzle and you say, I don't get it, we have to be so careful not to turn into that Eeyore, 
right, and say it's all going to go wrong in that ministry, in that relationship, and it just never works out for me. Forget it. I may as well, right? Sound familiar to anybody? But I wanted to give you, so, so the idea is joy in the puzzling life. I could give you, you know, try to give you examples of like when um, the deep philosophical puzzling questions of why do bad things happen to good people or, you know, those types of questions. But I, I think you can relate better because the puzzle of life is every day. Every day you have something like, I just don't get why it has to be like this. Why? I had a day this past week on Wednesday um, where I spent almost the whole day, like five-ish hours with our office manager, Juliet, at the RMV. You guys aren't getting this. Microphone. RMV people, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> now, it's funny, last night I talked about this, and um, there's a newer couple that's only been coming like a few weeks, and they came up to me, he's like, my wife works at the RMV. I'm like, <laughs> you could have told me this last week when you hear the story. Juliet literally asked me, we have a big church, don't we have someone from the RMV? I'm like, I don't think so. I wish I had known. Why were we there? Well, backstory. Um, if you've seen, we had a really generous couple give a, a, a donate, a brand new trailer. It's out near our shed out there, if you've seen it. It's for our outreach team. You saw the, the video today, and, and they're going to be able to store things and be able to go to Worcester or go to other places, and it's just going to be awesome, and it is awesome, except we can't use it yet because it isn't registered with the RMV. And so we've tried. Like, Juliet had already been three times before Wednesday. Every time she goes, and in the beginning it made some sense. We didn't cross all of our T's when we changed our name of our church. So, so in the beginning it made sense. But every time you go, and I don't know if you've been there, but like I feel bad for every single person in the room. The people working there, the people who are sitting there, the police who are called at least on the hour to drag someone out. Like, and I'm not even joking, maybe not on the hour, but it was at least three times. And, and, and so as we're there, like every time she would go, and I didn't go with her the first three times, that's not my job, Right. She went to a different person, and they'd give her a letter saying, we need to do this. And every time, oh, oh, they didn't even find the other things. They just had something else. And so finally, she came to me last week, and she's like, I, what they told me to change, I, I can't. I called the IRS. I can't even change it. And I said, all right, I don't want you to quit, so I'm going to go with you. I don't know what I'm going to be able to do, but I'm going. We're not leaving there without talking to some kind of a supervisor somewhere, Right. So she had told me the last three times it was only about an hour-ish, a little over an hour she waited. We waited an hour just to get our ticket. I was told last night, never go on a Wednesday. I mean, how am I supposed to know that, right? So I should have went on Valentine's Day. I mean, who would do that, right, on Valentine's Day? And, and so I go, we get our ticket, and it's Q something. And I noticed that there was different letters and then numbers after the letters. The L's, oh, oh, oh you are the high and mighty. The L's are constantly walking up and getting their stuff done. The Q's, we're over here in this section just kind of sitting here. Boy, you ever notice you get to know people? They're all hanging out about four hours together. By the time he's done, it's like, hey, man, good luck at college up in New Hampshire. I hope you're feeling better. It's like, how did you know I was sick? Well, you visited the bathroom like seven times in the last two hours. Oh, yeah, I did. Well, I couldn't help but notice. I'm just staring straight ahead, right? And, and so, so we finally get called, you know, and we're like, you know, like we just got out of the war, you know, and, and we go up, and, and, and I'm like, the whole time I'm praying, if you were pricked by the Holy Spirit to pray for me on Wednesday, this is why. You probably thought maybe he has a funeral, maybe he's in some big, con no, 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 RMV, RMV. So 
we go up, and this woman seemed like she knew what she was doing, and she did help us. She, she was doing some things. I was like, I think this is going to work out. I think it's going to work out. Took a while, took a while. Finally, we're getting toward the end, and she's shuffling all the different papers, and I'm like, okay, let's just stop shuffling, and let's just stamp that thing, right? And then she goes, oh, no. I'm like, oh, no, what? And she goes, well, this paper says Cornerstone Church of Oxbridge, and this paper says Cornerstone Church of North Oxbridge. And I'm like, so what? Who cares? It's a trailer, right? That's my thinking, which is why I'm not in charge of most things. Um, and, and so I, 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 I was just like, okay. She goes, I tell you what, I'll write you a letter for the things you need to change for next time. I felt Juliet visibly sag next to me. She's going to quit. So I went, I don't really remember the, the words. I just remember going, ma'am, every time she comes, she sees someone else. They write a different letter about something else. We're just a church trying to feed some homeless people. And she goes, let me talk to someone. Let me talk to someone. I'm like, yeah, she's probably calling the police is what she's talking, right? So you probably want to know the, the end of the story. Well, this is the picture that I took when we were done, right? <laughs> it wasn't big, bad Jamie. It was desperate bag of tears, Jamie. And I bring that out to you, right, that, 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 that this is, hopefully not every day you're hanging out at the RMV, but this is life, right? Like, Why? Like, why, do, why are we in this? Like, it doesn't make any sense, God. We're just like, this is all for the right intentions, right? And the answer is I still don't really know why. I do know that we met some people along the way. I know that Juliet and I ended up having kind of a good time for five hours together. She's also my niece, by the way, so we'll have that to laugh at for years to come. And in the end, it's a memory that I wouldn't want to repeat but I'm kind of glad we have. Does that make sense? I don't know. If it, it's kind of weird how life works out that way. But I'm sure there's a lot of other things. I don't know why. And that's this whole point, is you're not going to know. God knows. God has it. And so even in the moment when you're like, this is so dumb, you, you say, I'm going to have joy. I'm going to have joy because God's got this. And that's what the preacher's trying to tell you. If you're constantly uh, warped by puzzling things, guess what? You're going to be constantly warped. Because that's how life goes. And so the, uh, uh, our, our circumstances can't just leave us saying, why don't I understand everything? That would be like a slug trying to build a sky rise. I just realized I just called you all slugs. I didn't really mean to do that. <laughs> but it's the same idea. God's got this. And so the, 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 um, the, this section is rather long. and We're going to have chapter 12 next week. Um, I'm going to skip chapter 10. Um, if I had um, more time and I had said, I let this series be more weeks, because chapter 10 is really great. But it repeats a lot of themes that we've, that we've had. That was the fakest cough ever, by the way, Jack. I got to tell you. It's okay. Um, you know, and, and so we, we, we have a lot of those themes we're going to skip over. But chapter 11, I just wanted us to hone in on before we go. Because chapter 11, it's not long, and it, and it still repeats some of these puzzling themes of life. But it boils down to this. Why, why does life have to hurt? Why is this so painful, God? And it, it can be so confusing as to why you're letting me hurt. This doesn't make sense. Some things make sense, but a lot of times we're just like, I don't get it. 
So I want us to see that. So verse, verse 1 gives us a, a proverb that a lot of scholars don't really understand. I think I get it, and especially when you put it with two, but let's just read it. He says, cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. Okay, so when, when, when things are puzzling and things hurt, our tendency is to hide and hoard. Right? Hoard stuff and hide. Because I'm so afraid it's Eeyore, it's going to go badly, I'm just going to lose it again anyway. Right? Because it, it might. You might lose it again. That's how life goes. And so he's saying, no, 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 cast your bread. So, so just push out. Do what God's called you to do. Be generous. Do what God's called you to do, even if it might not happen great. Because you trust God, not you. In verse 3 he says, if the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. That sounds like a whole bunch of obviously. But what he's saying is life happens and you're not going to change it. Life happens and you're not going to change it. But when you observe it, he says, he who observes the wind will not sow. And he who regards the clouds will not reap. All he's saying there is, again, you tend to hide when you're afraid, when it hurts. You tend to hide. You tend to be like, I don't know, I'm going to wait for everything to be perfect, and then I'll act, right? He says, don't do that. Things are never going to be perfect. Things are never going to be exactly how you want, and you're going to lose out because life is so quick. As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of, there it is again, God who makes everything. He brings that back. He's like, you're not going to know anything, but he makes everything. So in the morning, sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him, there it is again, rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. That's the preacher's always doing. Just when you're like, yay, joy. Don't forget, dark days are coming too. And the darkest day, the final problem of death. We'll get back to that. But first I want us to, to, to get to that point of can we rejoice when it hurts? Rejoice, O oh young man, in your youth. And let your heart cheer you in the day, days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring into a judgment. So walk in the present with joy, because in the future, God is going to judge. That's weird, right? Because judgment sounds weird to us. But believe me, you want God to judge, otherwise everything truly is pointless if God doesn't put everything in the place that it, that it belongs. And so your present, though it's full of joy, needs to be driven by your future because you know God will judge. Because if you don't, you'll end up in the wrong path. But this is the verse that I want us to see. Remove vexation. That's a word. That's just the hurts from your heart. Vexation from your heart. And put away pain from your body. For youth and the dawn of life are vanity. That's a lot there. But um, the, the idea is hardship the pain in our hearts, the pain in our bodies, these things in life that hurt so bad, they threaten us all the time to abandon God. And he's saying, don't do that. He's not saying put away your pain like it doesn't exist. That's silly. You feel your pain. You feel it deeply at times. 
but don't let it control you. God's got you. God has you. See, all throughout this, it's back to fearing God, worship God, trust God, find joy in God, right? Especially in the pains of life because God has you. God's got a purpose for that pain. God's got a purpose for your grief. God's got a purpose for your cancer. God's got a purpose for your dementia or the person you love that has it. God's got a purpose for that divorce. Even if he didn't want that to happen, right, whatever the situation, the pain in it, God's got a purpose. He's in it with you, right? God's got a purpose in whatever pain that is in life. And he just says, hey, you trust me. And even though life brings pain in this under the sun, you can trust me and have joy. Joy in the pain of life. You can be bold for God. You can continue to live your days trusting God, knowing what comes next might not be what you want. I, um, I, the, the other day recently, it was a day off, and I've been loving the February where I actually get outside. Like That's just, oh, keeps my mental health. Lots of less vexations in my heart because of that. And I was out puttering. I was actually chopping wood. I don't really need to chop wood, but I like doing it probably going to chop my foot off someday, but it's fine. And what I do is I'll, I'll, I'll listen, whatever I'm doing, I'll listen to sermons, catching up on guys I listen to. And, and um, there was uh, someone I normally listen to, but there was a guest preacher at church. And I was like, eh, I usually skip, skip over that. But I was like, I don't have a lot of time left doing this. So I'm just going to keep listening. And he started talking about prayer and began talking about the power of prayer. And, and gave stories in his own life that were just amazing. And it's just, just really the weight of God's conviction came on me that in just recently, my prayers about certain pains in my life have been not praying with power and conviction, that God's power, his spirit can answer. And I felt like, I just, if you ever felt that, I just press pause. I, I um, put my ax down <laughs> and I, I, I did something. I don't even want to tell you this. Well, I do know, but it's it, pretty personal, but. Hey, whatever. If I have to stand on my head, if it gets you to love Jesus more, I'll do it. And so I decided to, I saw a spot in my yard. I went over and I just laid face first on the ground. Um, thank God the Amazon driver didn't, didn't come. And, and, and I just laid there and, and I just felt deeply the pains in my life. And you all have pains, not just me. You have pain. And, and, and I just felt the conviction to ask God for forgiveness for not praying with faith in those pains. And I, I remember because I, I didn't want to eat dirty ground, I took my winter hat that was on and I kind of covered my face and I just wept. I just sobbed in my pain. And even God, like, I, he didn't deliver that pain. He, he even said, what if in this life I don't answer that prayer the way you want it? And, and yet... I finished and looked around, thank God there's no one around. And my kids would be calling 911 or something. And, and, and I, I took my hat back up, wiped my eyes, and I felt an overwhelming sense of joy. Not because look what happened or look what, but because God is with me in that pain. And he'll always be with me and take care of me. And here's what my, the reason I bring that up. is because you do have, when he says put away your pain, he's not saying you don't have pain, you do. And it's okay to sit with God in your pain, weep in your pain, and kneel in your pain, and lay there in your pain. But here's the, the preacher's trying to get you to hear that in that pain, 
you can get up. Get up with joy. Get up. That's the message. Don't stay in your pain. That's Eeyore. The joy of your God who has this says you can get up and walk in this pain and know that your hope and your trust and your worship is in me, not your circumstances. Have joy. Get up. Sow your bread on the water. See how it comes back to you. Don't hide, recede because you're hurt or because something happened. God's calling you. It might happen again. I can't tell you it isn't. But you can get up and do what God's calling you to do. With what? Joy. And now you might say, if you're uh, at least one person here, I would expect to say something like, I saw throughout those passages that he keeps saying we're heading for darkness, dark days. I want to have joy, Jamie, but darkness is coming. And the answer to that is true. (laughs) You're right. It is coming. Darkness comes for everyone. Unless you've already trusted in the darkness that's already come. Does that sound confusing? There was a day where darkness came. Happened a long time ago. Just outside of the city of Jerusalem. The middle of the day, bright sunlight. Supernaturally, darkness fell. It was a day a criminal was being executed on a cross. This is how Matthew puts it. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. It's like nine to noon. Brightest part of the day. At about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In the middle of that darkness on that cross, right, perfect son of God, Jesus, quotes Psalm 22.1, because in that moment, he takes on all of the judgment of God, all of the wrath of God for you. Not for him. He didn't need it. He was perfect for me. Took it. And in that moment, he becomes sin. In that moment, for the first time in all of eternity, past, present, future, all eternity, the only time it happened, he completely was broken fellowship with his father because he's sin. And he's being judged in that darkness. John uh, tells us that in that darkness, it says, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, Tedestai, it is finished. Which doesn't just mean, thank God this is over, all right? It means, means it's accomplished. Paid in full. Isn't that hard sometimes to understand that your murder, your adultery, your, your, the, the things you've done, the lies, the, the, the stuff you've messed up, the stuff that you, that's the reason you're facing darkness, that all of it came on Jesus and he said, your debt is paid in full. That's the grace and mercy of God. That's why you can have joy. Because, right, that joy is because the darkness is finished. It already happens. You don't need to fear it. Here's the thing. I just want to be real clear. You will face the darkness of the judgment and wrath of God or Jesus already faced it for you. That's your choice. That's it. I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful that Jesus paid it in full. He faced the darkness so I don't have to. You can have joy though death comes, though judgment comes. You can have joy because of Jesus, because of him. Because you're going to have life. So what produces joy? Hope. Eternal hope. It says, even if, and I pray your pains are all taken away by God, but even if they aren't, you have a future with him forever. Because it's finished. 
And so the preacher tells us darkness comes, but we look at a Savior who stood on that cross in the darkness and said, it is finished. Telestai. Let's pray. And as we pray, if you've never trusted Christ, what he did for you, there's no, we're not magicians. There's no magic words. There's no magic prayers. It's just believe. Believe. Just believe. And I know there's doubts, and I know there's um, fears. What does this mean? Does this mean I'm a weirdo religious person? What does this mean? It means none of that. It just means you believe that Jesus loves you so much that he paid it in full for you, something you could never pay. And so as I pray, just believe. Use words to that. Jesus, I believe you saved me. Lord, I pray that you would remove whatever barrier of doubt is there for someone here that you're calling to Christ, that this would be the day they say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters here who are just feeling some real deep pains in their life right now. Physical, emotional, heartbreak, grief, loneliness. God, I pray as they sit in their pain that your mercies would renew them, that they would feel in the midst of that the joy that you have them, that you have a purpose in all of that, whether they see it or not, that's not their job, that's yours. That they'll be able to leave that pain at your feet this morning and feel an overwhelming sense of eternal joy for knowing Christ. And Lord, I pray, I pray for those who are confused don't know what to do about something in their life that today they might know <laughs> that they'll always have those with them but you're in that confusion and you're not confused cover us with the mercies that are new every morning cover us Lord and may we be bold to then live out a joyous life for you it's in Jesus name we pray you can stand if you want, you can sit, kneel, whatever you want to do, but we're going to worship together.